under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jay Park. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Feeling good, feeling all right tonight here on a Thursday night. Hot, hot July here in Alabama. 2019, the years are flying by. They really are flying by, but I'm feeling good, folks. And uh, this morning, I have just a... Let's go ahead and tell folks about the sponsors. But before I do that, uh, Frisco Riverstone is back this evening, folks. How are you doing, Frisco? I'm great, Joey. Good to be good, back. Good. Good to hear you. Um, but yeah, this morning, man, I, um, I've i been working out. I've got this new regimen where I'm going to express fitness 24-7. That's what it is. Yeah. I, I noticed you're a little more small today. Yeah, somebody said it looked like I was stung by a bee. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we did some, yeah, we're, I'm working out with the owner, uh, Alex. He's giving me some personal training and it's kind of become, it started as two days a week. Now it's like more like three or four days a week. And, uh, we do like, you know, some bodybuilding stuff, some, some chest stuff, the, the simple bro stuff. And then, um, then we do like, we did two different CrossFit workouts this Jeez. morning. Um, and I'm just loving it. But the great thing about Express Fitness 24-7, folks, is you don't have to, like, kill yourself like I'm doing. I love the endorphin rush afterwards. It's an endorphin machine. Um, but if you're just looking for a little extra cardio, if you're looking to, you know, do bodybuilding, uh, all sorts of machinery and state-of-the-art equipment, whether it's cardio machines, weight machines, free weights, power racks, everything you need there at Express Fitness 24-7. And the best part, it's in the name. Once you become a member, a sign-up fee, and I believe it's only $30 a month after that. Nice. No long-term contract. You can do it month to month. You just have to give them a little bit of notice. Uh, you have 24-7 access. You're given a key fob, essentially. Oh, nice. You don't like how we work here at the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that way, it'll work with anybody's schedule. It works with my wonky schedule if I need to fit something in late at night or early, early in the morning. How do you like having a trainer? Because I, I, I find myself going to the, the Y and I, sometimes I just slack off because no one's there to hold me accountable. I, that's the exact part <laughs> I love about it. it, especially when you're doing a workout that's really, really difficult. Uh, the accountability factor is huge. And it's like there's some camaraderie to it. You get sure, to know yeah, each yeah. other. Um, you make friends. And a great thing about the gym, and I think a lot of people who are hesitant about going to a gym, is not once. I've been going for now seven months, if it's July, yeah, seven months. Uh, not once is somebody like, oh, you're lifting that, bro. <laughs> like, nobody is talking down yeah, to anybody. Yeah. Everybody's been actually very supportive. Like, oh, you want to try this? Yeah. You want to try a thing called the slingshot. Like, if you're doing bench press, you strap it on your arms and it springs your arms up so you can do a little more weight and just probably having that 24 7 structure too it kind of allows people mm -hmm. everyone's there 
on their own time, their right. own schedule. When you get to know the people who are yeah, there when you're yeah, there and nice. fit your schedule. And it's just a great place, a, a great culture, is I guess what I'm saying. And you can check it out, folks. Go to expressfitness24.com. Find what location is best for you. I'm going to the Zelda Road location, the Hillwood Festival Shopping Center, above Firehouse Subs. But there are locations all over the River Region. So check out Express Fitness, the number 24.com. Find what location is best for you and if it would be a good fit. And tell them Joey from the radio sent you if you do sign up. Get, do that favor for me there. So after that workout, I really do. I've got this endorphin rush. I'm feeling good today. Yesterday I was tired. Stayed up too late. But today you've I'm got a, You've refreshed. got a glow and a good energy. You know, I appreciate that, yeah. Frisco. I, I really do. Um, and I found something. You know, the first time you came on the show, yes, yes. Um, you, we really talked about how people try to fit folks. Uh, if I'm correct me if I'm saying this incorrectly, fit folks into a collective identity and sort of box them in in terms of any sort of individual political opinion. You must have the correct opinion if you're a certain type of person. Yeah, so we, we talked about that a little bit uh, on episode number 438 of the Joey Clark Radio Hour, downloadable for free on Apple Podcast app or wherever you download your podcast. Yeah, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, all over the place. Everywhere. So anyway, on that, on that episode, um, it was kind of like, you know, you sent me an article, and it was rep- what was her name? Representative uh, uh, Ayanna Presley. She's one of the more uh, quiet, the quiet, powerful she, forces she, of the squad. She kind of steps up, mm-hmm. and she'll speak for everybody. And and this this one time, she literally spoke for everybody, mm-hmm. and that was for. Uh, she said something like, "quote We don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be brown voices." Went on to say, "We don't need black faces that don't want to be black mm-hmm. voices." I actually have the clip. Right Do you here? have the clip? Yeah, yeah well, I want to hear this again. If you are not prepared to come to that table and to represent that voice, don't come mm-hmm. because we don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice. We don't need black faces mm-hmm. that don't want to be a black wow. voice. We don't mm. need Muslims that don't want to be a Muslim voice. We don't favorite. need queers that don't want to be a queer voice. That's and if you're worried voice. about being marginalized <laughs> and stereotyped, please don't even show up. Because we need you to represent that voice. Mm. So don't even show up. I think this is what we talked about last time, that problem with fear-mongering attempts to kind of demonize people before they can even speak. Right. Is The problem is it significantly limits not only the intellectual diversity of a community, but it diminishes the people who belong to that community. Like, let's, let's be honest. Who would want to belong to a group who thinks that you're incapable of making your own decisions? I mean, and certainly if doing so results in, like, public humiliation... Yeah, right. Well, and it's literally just boxing. She talked about don't stereotype. You're literally stereotyping. And and if you don't think like me, don't even speak. Like, and by the way, and you just asked this when the clip was playing. What is a queer voice exactly? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was uh, like what? Is it my Lindsey Graham impersonation? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is just Lindsey Graham for me. I'm I'm the bachelor up there in DC. That's a pretty good. You got a pretty good Lindsey Graham. Well, he's you know he's got that South Carolina. You know. Yes. Ever since uh, John McCain left this world, Lindsey Graham has just been on fire. He really has and, been. And like his voice has changed a little bit. Not saying it's any less Lindsey Graham, but it's mm. more loud and it's a little sassier. Yeah, it's kind. Of, I'm, I was very uh, in, on a very serious note when I heard that John McCain. He was actually uh, diagnosed with the same type of brain cancer as my mother, mm. glioblastoma. So when I heard that, and I heard a lot of people jumping in sure. politically and like, oh, he's a warmonger. He gets what he deserves. I, I was like, oh. 
come on, folks. He's a person. Yeah. Um, but I, on a unserious note, was a little disappointed when I saw him pass. Obviously, for the serious reasons. But then on an unserious note, I was like, I don't get to do my John McCain impersonation anymore. <laughs> nah, you got to lay that one it's to rest. very, too. very, very simple. Like, fight with me, my friendship. Fight with me. <laughs> Keep America strong. But you've you perfected the... the fight with me. You have to bring Trump out later. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I like heroes that aren't captured, all right? Fight with me, my friend. Fight with me. I'll fight you from the grave, Donald. Uh, okay, whatever, John. Don't You can haunt me, just not right now. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, this, this, this fear-mongering is... Uh, you know what? It's, speaking of Donald Trump, too, I think, I think he's, he's stoking the fire. I think everybody sees it. We're yeah. literally... Uh, we were sitting here talking before the show, and we're watching... We had a couple of different news channels on, and they are on every news channel... He's got the the Democrats completely divided. Now he's got you know Pelosi sticking up for radical extreme leftist. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I think it's part of a calculated. He's a what is he a calculated genius? What did he call himself? I'm a very stable genius. Stable genius. I have the best words. <laughs> I think I think that that's uh, that's what we're <laughs> witnessing right now. I, I think there is some genius to it, but I think even President Trump realized last night it kind of went a little too far at the yeah. rally. Uh, when folks started chanting, um, he didn't start the chant. Um, he didn't completely stop it. But today, he came out and sort of said, "I didn't like it." And uh, yeah, and, you know, I didn't, but they started sending, uh, ch- chanting, "Send her back" in reference to Elon Omar, another member of the squad. Yeah, which, by the way, <laughs> an incredibly obnoxious name. Like, have you ever seen a movie called The Girl Next Door? Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, same here. But I always remember they called themselves the uh, the tripod. The tripod, that's right. So now whenever I think of the squad, I think of a movie about meeting a porn star next door. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think porn star. I think the, the squad is like... I mean, I, I remember being bullied by uh, a squad in high mm. school. And I think you've probably talked about this before on air. It's like, really? The squad? We're, yeah. we're back, are we back to that now? I mean, these, I these, these, names, these are elected... Man. Congress people. I know. But then <laughs> I, you have to remember AOC or Cortez. Cortez. Yes. No, we're calling her Cor- Cortez. Cortez. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Cortez. Which, is- by the way, it was a Neil Young. Uh, Neil Young. We were trying to figure out who uh, originally did Cortez the Killer. Mm-hmm. It's Neil Young. It's Neil Young, yes. Okay, Cortez the Killer, which is a pretty good nickname for AOC, because I like it better than That's that. the first thing I thought when he went straight to Cortez. I mean, the nickname I've been using, I know, would piss her off and pisses off probably everybody. I've been calling her a Puerto Rican sex kitten. <laughs> it's just obnoxious. I remember the line from a uh, West Wing words. episode. Too many words. <laughs> Too many words to remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, Cortez, you have to remember, Frisco, is I, you're a year younger than me? Uh, like a year, yeah. She's your age. Yeah. And that's where I'm amazed. Like, this person is a year younger than me in Congress and has this huge microphone. And I'm not knocking anybody young being in Congress. It's just, it gives me a little more uh, confidence when I disagree with her. You know, if somebody's like 55 years old and has been in politics for a while and I disagree with them, there's a part of me that goes... Yeah, check yourself, you sophomore dope. You might be wrong and not have yeah. the experience, but when it's a 29-year-old bartender who's now talking about this massive takeover of the entire U.S. society... Well, it's like, I've, I've got hmm. some friends in, in our, our state, um, the state house, and they're young, and 
they're kind of they're learning right and so yeah. they they're not out there front <laughs> front and center and demanding and 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 picking giant fights and uh you know trump hits back and i think he actually uh he likes it uh and, oh, yeah. and he's and he's totally pulling that into the spotlight but um you know you know i'm relating it to you know we, we live in montgomery so we run into you know our state representatives yeah. all the time and uh you know i'm looking at these young guys and i'm like okay that's kind of what you do you you learn and you you sign up for certain committees and yeah. you, you slowly i mean these girls are what like if, you know but not even a year in or like no oh, no this you, is their first session yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's like well and i think the media's obsession goes to my nickname for aoc she's young she's attractive um oh, and yeah. her story is you know interesting she beats this incumbent congressman who didn't care and she had this great grassroots campaign and the Which posters you, are snappy and interesting. You dig a little, though, in that grassroots campaign. Right. <laughs> it's very a, much there, Her chief of staff and a couple other people uh, with a lot of money were behind that. In fact, I think it was, there's some sort of uh, new branch of the Democrats, and I forgot what it's called, but uh, they're, they're doing that again. The Justice Democrats. The Justice Democrats, yes, yes. yes. And uh, they're doing that again, and it's the guy from the Young Turks and some other people. And oh, yeah. Jank <laughs> Younger, even though it's spelled C-E. E-N-K. D- don't even know his name. Too yeah, much time. Drink. But uh, yeah, they're 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 canvassing now, and they're they've got thousands and thousands of applicants, and they're going to find the next mm-hmm. the next AOC. And I'm just thinking, wow. Well, and people have asked me, and I, I went into this a little bit last night, but people have asked me, what like why do you have a problem with AOC, and why do you have a problem with some of the Democrats? They just want to, you know. They want diversity. They want tolerance. They want rights for the marginalized. And my general point of view in response to this, in all seriousness, is that, yes, there are inequities, inequalities, exploitation, bigotry, all these things in this wicked fallen world, Uh, but the solution that they offer is what freaks me out. Because there are so many uh, problems with the world, and, I mean, once you open up the door to not just explicit forms of bigotry, but the implicit, like... I know you don't. You don't even realize how bigoted you are, which is possible, I suppose. But when you're now going beyond people's intentions and reading into them that oh, what you're doing is a bigoted thing, it's their perceived notion. I, I think my problem, you know, yeah, sure, I can agree on certain things. Just like you just said, my problem is that. Um, like I said in that that very first um, episode that I was on, was that you know the right kind of tends to feel that process matters more than outcome. Yes. And these women are standing up here screaming about outcomes and they want the outcome no matter, you know, and they'll go to whatever means to get this outcome. Whereas, you know, we kind of think that there's a process and there is a process. Well, and as a, uh, you're leading me to one of the stories I want to cover tonight, but as a brutal libertarian, when I hear these, um, the squad, Talk about all these outcomes and solutions and all the problems and you know inequities in the world and injustices. I, I'm like, yeah, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Give me a case. Okay, I'll listen to you. But then the solution always seems to be, without any limiting principle about process, by the way, uh, give us more power, we'll fix it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not cool with that. Number one, I don't think you will fix it. Number two, uh, uh, why do you, you think that power you'll seize will 
always remain in the right hands and that your hands are the right hands. Yeah, and uh, give us that power. And also, if you don't fit into your selected category that we picked for you, then don't even stand up and speak. It's Mm -hmm. like, this is sounding a little familiar, actually. (laughs) Well, and and to talk to the left for a second, um, I I do like reading, you know, famous people that might have been, you know, a little socialist. Or George Orwell, for one. Sure. Was explicitly a Democratic socialist. But even George Orwell saw, and this is a trend, if you on the left out there listening are really worried about fascism, whatever that means, <laughs> because we're not really talking about the historical no. fascism that was in Italy and about the pride of it. No, no we're no. talking about something else. It's kind of a totalitarian system, major control of the economy, no real limiting. Oh, wait, it sounds like certain movements. Um just, you know, but it has good intentions, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, but no, if you are on the left, and in all seriousness, you are worried about, you know, right-wing fascism, George Orwell points out that it, what it happens is often the work of the communist in his time, we're talking the 30s, the work of the communist or the work of the socialist who centralize power for all sorts of well-intentioned things, and then the guys that are actually really good at violence and rallying people up seize all that power you centralized. It happens (laughs) time and time and time again. And so I I think you need to, like, very particular instances, let's take, like limits on free speech. We need hate speech laws, these sorts of things. I don't like it when I hear truly hateful speech. I think the only hateful speech that should actually be limited legally is, like, calls to violence. Sure. Direct calls to violence. And not even satirical stuff, well, like this, this raid this, on Area 51. That's satirical. Yeah, this, but this hate speech thing, too, I mean, there, there's so many levels to it. And how are you to legislate this hate speech? Who defines hate? Yeah, it, and, and you look at, you know, um, Facebook and, and some of these other um, Instagram, other companies. Uh, who are they going to? They're going to kind of, you know, the SPLC and, and some of these other people that questionably, uh, you know, they're going to them for hate maps and who's hate. And it's kind of like there's there's a lot of, uh, you and know. And some of those hate maps are, are very, uh, it's fuzzy on the definitions of what constitutes hate, number one, and also what constitutes a group. Wait, you talking about two people in one small city in yes. Alabama? Yes. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Um, well, but and once you define hate speech, once you put that into law, though, you have hate speech codes. You have to ask your. You have to imagine the worst case scenario. The opposing party mm-hmm. takes control. Yeah. I'm and ma- what have you done? You've <laughs> again imagine those of you on the left, and for those of you on the right, spare with me. It's a thought experiment. You think Donald Trump is Cheeto Mussolini? <laughs> and actually, the guy has talked about like. I, that's not free speech. I mean, he said stuff that me as a libertarian, I'm like, hey, Donald, hey. relax a little bit. Hey, Don. Um, <clears throat> imagine you create all these laws that can restrict speech under the auspices of hate. Now Donald Trump has those laws at his disposal. It's just think it through, guys. Think it through. I saw a, a brilliant commentary on the same theme from a comedian I've had on the show. He is works for I'm mean, not works for he writes most of the content for a group called We the Internet and they're kind of a comedy group does political satire they take on the right and the left uh, but Lou was talking about how he is the son of a first generation immigrant and he respects everything his father did to get to this country uh, to start a life here and to give him the opportunities he now has I believe he lives in New York City he's doing really well. Um, which is not something you can often say about somebody in, in New comedy York. <laughs> and in New York. I was going to say in New York City. <laughs> that too. But he pointed out, he's like, if 
I was telling, and he does in such beautiful, dramatic fashion, if I was talking to my father today, even if it meant I wasn't born, I would tell him, don't come to this country. I would have to. Because if you think Donald Trump is literally Hitler and that he's setting up concentration camps for immigrants, why would you tell those immigrants to come to this country? Why? Yeah, why? Yeah, so, I mean, some of the, the rhetoric and the logic is, it's just overwrought, over the top. And also, it, you can go back to, like, Gore Vidal arguing with William uh, Buckley, William F. Buckley. And the, the caricature of the right is just Nazis if they, you know, you know, if the police and... Portland, Oregon, actually cracked down on Antifa, I'm sure the police would be called fascists. Absolutely. When you're the ones out there wearing masks, acting Far-right like, far fascists. Yeah, you're the ones out there actually acting like fascists. Ironically. It's Antifa. Just, <laughs> it's such a deep, weird irony. And no, not everybody who subscribes to some of the things Antifa wants are necessarily behaving that way. But come on, guys. Like, it's just such a weird world. But you constantly make this point, and it's a fantastic point. And it's something I hope conservatives will uh, really think about and take to heart, is conservatives care about process, not just outcomes. Yes. Well, there's something that sort of riled me up. I was genuinely moved when I saw Jon Stewart. You know Jon Stewart. He's done The Daily Show. Um He's now moved on, and to his credit, he's doing a lot of entertainment gigs that are meant for fundraising. Um, like, he did the first big kickoff for Omaze to help okay. for all sorts of funding and research for different childhood diseases. Great program. Uh, great giveaway. You get these great, if you win, you get these great days with, like, celebrities hanging out on, like, a Marvel Sweet. studio set. and uh, It's just really cool stuff. But I was moved when he was at a congressional hearing and he was talking about how long it's taking Congress to fund the 9-11 I saw that today. first responders. Um, and then... Yesterday, Rand Paul, senator from Kentucky, who I don't always agree with, but largely agree with, he objected to a unanimous consent vote. Now, the way this works, folks, is Kirsten Gillibrand, senator from New York, she's running for president. Um, she's running for president, really, on the like, we're women. We can do this. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sure you can. I don't think it's going to be you. Yeah. Um, she goes up to the Senate floor and says, ask for a unanimous consent vote on this bill that was just passed in the House. And what it does is it funds the 9-11 first responders compensation bill till 2092. And there's no price cap on it. Any legitimate claim, and, and Stewart's made a great point, and this is true, there has not been much fraud in the system. In this particular program, it's worked very well. It's given out something like $12 billion since mm. uh, 9-11 to people that were directly first responders like firemen, police officers who develop all sorts of diseases from inhaling the debris, at worst things like cancer, and all sorts of other complications. Then it moved to anybody in the vicinity of it. They started paying out to medical claims. And I'm, you know, even though I'm a bit of a stickler for how much the government does, you're not going to get really any fight from me on this program. I sure. think it's a good program. Sure. Rand Paul stands up and objects to the unanimous consent vote. Because unanimous consent essentially says we don't even have to tally who votes no and who votes yes. Everybody agrees. Unanimous consent voice vote. Unless somebody stands up. Yes. And Rand Paul stood up and objected. And what he objected to is that this has to be paid for. I agree with it. Well, we need to pay for it. And this is so important. There's obviously something out there yep. 
that we could cut to pay for this important program. Now, John Stewart was then immediately put on Fox, Fox News, uh, along with, I believe, the name of the gentleman, the first responders pushing this program, John Feel. And they really got talking about, um, well, how Rand Paul, I think... Uh, John Field referred to Rand Paul as a like a dirt bag or something to that effect. It was, I mean, pretty heated uh, language, and and John Stewart went so far as to say that Rand Paul's a hypocrite because if he cares so much about the deficit, you know, why did he allow this you know multi trillion dollar tax cut that increased the deficit and all this stuff like that? Um, and you're now trying to balance the budget on the backs of 9/11 first responders, Rand. But Rand's point, and this is a point you've made constantly, Frisco, was process. Process matters. Process matters a great deal. I mean, obviously we all agree on the outcome. We all agree we need to get to that outcome. But there needs to be process. You said this was until 20, what, 92? So, And it doesn't have any... The funding, all the funding says is if it's a legitimate claim, it will be paid. It's essentially a blank check for any legitimate claim. For legitimate claim. And so far, uh, it's been, you know, regulated, and there hasn't been many issues for now, so far. Well, for now. But I think the point he was making, too, was... um, he wants it in the budget. He wanted to be, he wanted a budget for it. Yeah. And, um, you know... And maybe have a 20-year cap on it or five years. I don't... Cr- you know? Which is which is valid and, and opens discussion, but because he didn't just unanimously everybody agree, then uh, John Stewart was pretty livid on Fox. Uh, yeah, here's some of that. John Feel. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for being here. Uh, Mr. Field, thanks for your service. Uh, I just want to get your reaction first to this news today and um, kind of what you're thinking. Well, thank you for having us, and uh, you guys have been generous with your time at Fox. Uh, Oh, come on. We're working on stories, so thank you. Um, Listen, we're not surprised by uh, Senator Lee and Paul. This is their M.O. Uh, We kind of had an idea that this would happen, but if you watch yesterday when uh, South Dakota uh, Majority Whip uh, Toon he did a Rule 14 unanimous consent before Senator Gillibrand did her unanimous consent. And uh, Mitch McConnell, he gave us his word, and he's been sincere about that. And we're confident when the bill goes on the floor yeah. for a straight-up-and-down vote. Um, it's going to pass. Lee and Senator it, it, it's going to pass. I'm going to skip ahead in the video the here. they try to make. You know, we have 73 co-sponsors. We have a two-thirds majority. And I don't think anything they have uh, to offer for today. Any new spending that we are approaching, any this new program that's going floor. to have the longevity of 70, 80 years should be offset by cutting spending that's less valuable. We need to at the very least have this debate. I will be offering up an amendment if this bill should come to the floor, but until then I will object. John Stewart, but your reaction to that? It's, it's, it's absolutely outrageous, and you'll pardon me if I'm not impressed in any way by Rand Paul's fiscal responsibility virtue a signaling. A lot of feelings. Uh, Rand Paul presented tissue paper uh, uh, avoidance of the $1.5 trillion tax cut that added hundreds of billions of dollars to our deficit. And now he stands up at the last minute after 15 years of blood, sweat, and tears from the 9-11 community to say that it's all over now. Now we're going to balance the budget on the backs of the 9-11 first responder community. Brett, this is about what kind of society do we have. At mm-hmm. some point, we have to stand up for the people who have always stood up for us. And at this moment in time, 
maybe cannot stand up for themselves due to their illnesses and their injuries. Oh, and what Rand Paul did today on the Senate was outrageous. He is a guy that put us in hundreds of billions of dollars of debt. He was the 51st vote on that cut. And now he's going to tell us that a billion dollars a year over 10 years is just too much for us to handle. You know, there's some things that they have no trouble putting on the credit card. But somehow when it comes to the 9-11 first responder community, the cops, the firefighters, the construction workers, the volunteers, the survivors, all of a sudden, man, we got to go through this. This program has already... So he goes on. So you take from that, folks. I mean, Rand Paul's just a... He's a well, you, you hear that and you think, man, this guy is pure evil. How, right. could, how could he do that? You have, really? But you don't, you're not really... You're, you're not understanding kind of what he did and what he said. And I think he rebuttaled on Twitter. I don't have it pulled up, but he kind of said, no, it's not that I'm against it. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's that, you know, we, we need to create a budget for it. Yeah, we need to debate the it, it, cost of it. The cost, Pay for it. Correct. Which is a smart move because it needs to happen now as, uh, you know, if this is truly till 2090 or whatever, it'll be long, we'll be long gone, but, uh, you know, the administrations will change from time to time to time and it's it's time now probably to kind of go ahead and start uh, putting that as a, an actual budget. My, my thing with that, and it being 9-11, you know, I, I recently, I think, and I think I mentioned it on air uh, when I got kicked off Twitter, <laughs> was that uh, you know that the, the Saudi prince uh, increased his holdings in Twitter and is now, um, I think he's the second largest uh, shareholder in Twitter. Wow. Is a Saudi prince. Uh, I'm pretty sure, how many Saudi nationals were uh, uh, associated with 9-11? I think there were all of them. Were, were they all Saudi nationals? So. so I'm kind of thinking, you've got a Saudi prince that owns majority stake of Twitter, and why aren't the Saudis paying for any of this? Have the Saudis paid anything right. into a 9-11? And I think we've actually covered their butts quite a few times. Yeah, I think we're still doing it. Over in that, uh, the Strait of whatever. And More the, moves, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not too well-versed yeah. in all that. But I, I, I do find it interesting, and I don't ever hear that ever brought up. And I bring it up because I've got my own personal beef with Twitter. And when I went and looked uh, <laughs> right, who, who runs the show and the, and the reasons behind why I got kicked off Twitter, it made sense. Well, and there's all sorts of things that, like, 9-11 came and went. It has defined. I mean, it is the biggest moment probably in my lifetime, um, politically speaking, nationally speaking, the, the tragedy, the death, it, and now the fallout that continues. I mean, I, I feel John Stewart's emotion there. Absolutely. Um, but Rand Paul actually did get a chance to respond Settling an 18-year-long battle today. that rages on at issue, compensating the now thousands of rescue workers from 9-11 who are still waiting for help from Washington. John Stewart says Rand Paul is making things difficult. Rand Paul says John Stewart is making things up. Well, look, I know John Stewart, and John Stewart is sometimes funny, sometimes informed, but in this case, he's neither funny nor informed. I've spent my entire Senate career putting forward pay-fors for any time spending has expanded. As, as, as soon ago as two weeks ago, I put forward a pay-for for the border funding. I put forward a pay-for for the disaster funding. I do this on every new bit of funding. So he's really not informed, and his name-calling just sort of exposes him as a, a left-winger, part of the left-wing mob that really isn't using his brain and is willing to call people names. And it's, it's really kind of disgusting because, see, he pretended for years when he was
was on his comedy show to be somebody who could see both sides and see through the BS on both sides. Well, now he is the BS. The BS meter's through the roof when you see him calling people names, calling people an abomination, when I'm asking something very reasonable, that an amendment be included to consider whether we should pay for this for taking money somewhere else in the budget. Doesn't actually reduce the deficit, it just keeps the deficit from getting bigger. It's a very reasonable thing. I've done it dozens and dozens of times, including on the tax bill. Hmm. The left-wing mob says, oh, but you're for tax cuts, but you're not for doing anything to offset the tax cuts. There's something called PAYGO, and I was the leader in trying to keep that in the tax bill. It was in the tax bill when we passed it, and was later taken out of the, past, the tax bill over my objections. So the, they don't the mention that. But you vote for that true. when it was taken out, I mean, or was it too late? I mean, their no, argument that they've been making it was still is in, actually. You were okay still, paying for, yeah, for, for, for a tax but cut, but not this stuff. Right. But they're misinformed, and they're either liars or misinformed. When we passed the tax bill, the pay-go provision was in the tax bill. So as we passed the bill, the next instruction should have been, by the end of the year, we would have had to cut spending. In a subsequent bill, they went ahead and got rid of the pay-go rules in some big, enormous spending mm. bill. I objected to it, and I forced an amendment vote on it, and only nine people voted with me. But when I voted for the tax bill, it actually had provisions in it that says you'd have to cut spending if there's any less revenue. But the left-wing mob doesn't care about the truth. John Stewart doesn't care about the truth. It's all about me, 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 John Stewart. Look at me, I'm on TV. But here's well, the you, thing you, is, Do you regret that thing. tax bill vote then, Senator, given what happened on the pay-go thing? No, because I voted for a tax bill with the pay-go provision in it. No mm -hmm. They go on. So it's, it's more complicated than uh, John Stewart presented. It's about the process. And here's the thing. It's not just John Stewart. It Ramball is not exactly popular with his colleagues. Yeah, that's true. Because he cares about the process. He's not popular with Democrats, certainly, with that sort of language, a left-wing mob. <laughs> but he's not popular with the, a lot of Republicans who... You know, talk a good game, and I, I worry about this in regards to the president and other Republicans, too, is we just hit it today. It's in the headlines. $22 trillion in debt. And we need to start talking about tough decisions today, now, before we have really tough decisions in the future. Uh, we can't keep trading the future for sacrificing the future for the here and now fights. And I'm not just talking about like, oh, you're worried about dollars and cents, dollars and cents. No, these are real obligations to real people like first responders, like retirees, people in Social Security, Medicare. And we need to figure out ways to, well, solve our budgetary problems without a financial crisis hanging over the next generation. I think the left kind of likes, I mean, just look at the border situation. Uh, Ten years ago, the Democrats were literally saying the same thing mm -hmm. um, that the right is saying right now. And it's almost like they kind of like to let things just get so blown out of proportion that they can swoop in and be the champions of change. And I'm kind of feeling that way with this. It's almost like, you know, we're, we grew up, uh, John Stewart was on the television, yeah. right? So we're used to him being the funny guy. We're used to the jokes. And so when we see him passionately upset on television, we're, we're genuinely kind of like, yeah. what's going on, man? Right. You know, this he's, is a good call. And he's, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a guy that we makes us laugh, uh, right. especially our generation. So, uh, but without, without the true facts, I mean, it was all a lot of feeling and it was all, um, there was no process like we talked about and uh you know unfortunately a lot of the masses just go with that and won't 
dig a little deeper. Yeah, and it seems to be our biggest problem these days in the United States, at least in regard to our politics, is that you have to present things in emotional, hyperbolic terms to get anybody's attention. If you are somewhat boring, this was Rand Paul's problem when he ran for president, (laughs) and concern and process, the the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And the squeaky wheels often, though, don't have the best solutions in many cases. But uh, here we got to hit a break here, Frisco. All right. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour, folks. Joey Clark here alongside Frisco Riverstone, one of the best names in radio there is. We'll be right back. Going out to a song called The Haters and the Lovers. It's appropriate. Yeah, The Haters and the Lovers all want to be free. Well, I wrote that about 10 years ago. I was going to ask, is this one of your originals? Yeah, and it was a great day. Did it all in one day, but um, I don't think the lyrics are borne out. I don't know if they all do want to be free. I still hope it. It's true, but watch politics today. I don't know if it is. We'll be right back. Me again this evening, Frisco Riverstone. I like how you say that. It's a fun name to say. Like, we were just talking about a little bit of wrestling analogies off air here, and it's it's one of those names where you could be like an announcer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's my my old Twitter name before I got thrown in Twitter jail. It was my Twitter name. I garnered quite the following, actually. It was kind of cool. Gum, it's a shame they took you off. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, most of the, the people I was interacting with have also been banned from Twitter. So okay. Yeah, we're all. Have y'all found a new place to congregate uh, online? Uh, no. I, you know, I still get like uh, web blasts or email blasts and things, but yeah. uh, it's pretty much we're uh, we're underground. Well, not me. I'm here now with you. Yeah. On the yeah. Joey Clark Radio Show, which also can be downloaded. Yes. On your. Uh, Apple iTunes. No, not iTunes. Your App Store. Yeah, Apple Podcasts. Podcasts, yeah. Um, Google Play. Google Play. Stitcher, SoundCloud. I've got an iPhone. Spotify. Yeah, so, I use the Apple yeah. Podcasts as well. Um, yeah, it's uh, that's another open front out there. And it's interesting that that... You know, the tech hub is located in California. Mm. So I think even if they try their damnedest to not be biased, they're just so soaked in the culture. My uh, my hope is that 
California becomes so outrageously overpriced because they're also paying for um, health care for illegal immigrants now. I, uh, right. I think Gavin Newsom just just uh, signed that over. So uh, it becomes it becomes so unbearable that maybe these companies come on down to the south and then uh, we can kind of help them understand what real life is like. And then uh, yeah, then maybe won't people like me won't get banned. From so. Twitter. I um I've got a story though from California I want your take on. Oh, gosh. And this is from the progressive bastion of Berkeley, California. <laughs> and this is a well, they're serious. Sometimes I see these proposals and I'm like, they can't be serious. There can't be that much movement in this. I mean, people aren't going to stand for it. Well, Berkeley, California, they're eager to make their laws as inclusive as possible by eliminating gendered terms from its books, from the government books. I'll give some examples. But the city council there in Berkeley passed an ordinance that instructs the city staff to quote, unquote, degenderize its municipal code. Hmm. Instead of using he or she, the city's laws will now reference a gender-neutral they or use formal titles like director and council member. General neutral language creates a lot of room to acknowledge that it's not just men running the country, said one of the council members. So, Joey, let me let me stop you right there. So, they, there is a flood, a massive flood of Spanish-speaking people coming to the state, right? Yes. Okay. And in that Spanish language, uh, aren't words kind of based on male and female. I took French in uh, high school, but I think it's the same for Spanish. Yes, yeah. there's a, a okay, feminine get, tense yeah, and a masculine okay, tense. Okay, so I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to get this straight. So, I guess what what are they, are they going to change the Spanish language now? I mean, well, I mean uh, that would be a bit xenophobic though and racist. Yeah, that think? would be. I mean, who are these whiteies, these honkies out there in California to tell the <laughs> Spanish speakers how to use their own language? This is a dumpster fire. Like, this, is, this is just, it's in entertaining to watch at this point because <laughs> let's import this this mass group of people that use genders mm-hmm. specific words in their language but then let's make that not legal to use I right. mean, just <sighs> well no i got to give you some examples okay because it's oh, stuff God. i didn't even think was gender just because i'm so steeped in the patriarchy but they're out there smashing the patriarchy so let's give some examples manhole Manhole. Like a manhole cup. Yeah, 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 on the street. Yeah, like manhole will now be maintenance hole. <laughs> ombudsman. Wait, what is that? An ombudsman's like a, a nice um, third-party person you hire maybe at a newspaper. You could do it at a radio station. You could okay, do it in a yeah, government yeah, yeah, office. Yeah, I get it. Okay. They're like your, your watchdog yeah. to make sure uh, you're... Your, so you know, what, what's the sure? new word now? Investigative official. Oh. Sororities. That sounds that sounds kind of communist there. Yeah, I know. It was sororities <laughs> and fraternities. Okay. Will now be referred to talk about too many words. Oh, too God. many words. Sororities and fraternities, there will no longer be a distinction. They'll be referred to as collegiate Greek system residents. Hmm. And well oh my god, there's a whole all oh, wow. I don't, I don't think that would fly with our um Historically black colleges and universities down yeah. here. Sororities and, and fraternities are huge here. And to call them, what'd you call them? Something about Greek? Something, some kind of... Greek, collegiate Greek uh, system uh, residents. Uh, uh, well, because, I mean, you got to <laughs> separate those from the, the, the everyday Greek 
residents. Oh, God. Um, but if you find yourself in the city jail at Berkeley, you'll have to pay a bonds person, not a bondsman. Instead of waiting six months to a year for city approval to build that granny flat in your backyard, you'll now have to spend the same amount of time wondering when permits for your accessory dwelling unit will come through. <laughs> are, are these are these actually like enforced? I mean, this is a, yeah. This, this is, is a new ordinance in the city of the city council passes. It's oh, law man. now. It is absolutely ridiculous. Like it or not, to the, I'm reading from an article at Reason.com. The English language is a gendered language as well as Spanish and French. Trying to change that in one fell swoop often results in clunky and imprecise phrasing. Microsoft Word's gender bias spell check feature runs into this problem by suggesting users replace words like landlord and girlfriend with property owner and partner. But partner, um, excuse me, pardon me, Frisco, but partner no, seems a little gay. Yeah. Unless you're talking about business partner. Listen, I, I have a partner. That's right. how I refer to my partner. So yeah. it would be it would be for you if we had just met and you uh, were dating a mm-hmm. lovely lady and you said, oh, my partner, she, my, my partner, they are waiting outside. It'd be really confusing yeah. because perhaps for the first, uh, you know, part of our conversation, I would think i was talking to a gay man i don't know right i don't know right and i don't need any help there um yeah okay yeah here's the full list bondsman is now bonds person brother is now sibling oh really you can't refer to your brother or sister my god chairman is now the chair or chairperson craftsman crafts people artisans no, firemen, firewoman, firefighter, firefighter. This would not work in Montgomery. Let's just say that. Oh, fraternal's now been changed to social. Let's <laughs> see. I'm going to look at this list real quick. Uh, because This is all because there are more than just a male and female, right? Oh, now male and female. Gendered terms commonly found in the existing code. That's the list on the left-hand side of this ledger. On the right-hand side, it says non-gendered term replacement. So let's literally go to gender terms commonly found in the existing code in Berkeley, California, and the terms are male and female. Yeah. Okay, how are they going to get around male and female? And female. They have changed male and female to... Oh, congratulations. People of different genders. Uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> What a special day! I'm gonna, I'm gonna really have to digest that one, Joey, and and maybe we could have some fun with that. Yeah, I'm well, gonna download this list. And men and women has been changed to a single gender. Like it's just at a certain point. Here's my, like, here's my question: uh, What does that B in LGBT stand for? The B stands for lesbian. Well, no, let no, me no, do this because okay, okay, I'm yeah, not yeah, as yeah. familiar. So Le- it's lesbian, lesbian gay. gay Bisexual, bisexual, which would re- kind of mean that bi. So it would be how many? How many genders would that be? Two, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess Andy, so are, so Andy wonder, Dick's got a problem now. <laughs> so, yeah. So, what, so are we going to throw out that B? I mean, because yeah. there's more. I mean, if you're because there's there's more than two. So, but T and so, but the T is transgender. transgender. What what is Q now? Questioning? It, uh, questioning. I've heard queer, possibly. I do have to double check on that. Okay. Um, now, when I was growing up, 
uh, queer was kind of like a, a, a term that wasn't really nice. It's kind of a slur. Yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah, a little queer over there. And it, yet, it, it, now Ayanna Presley of the squad's going, if you... If you if you are queer and... Uh, what did she say? Yeah, if you're queer, you need a queer voice. And yeah, or, or don't talk at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a doozy of... I mean, let's go back to that. That's a short clip. I got to hear this again. I mean, this is Ayanna Presley of the squad. This was at the Netroots conference. That's all the hooting and hollering. It sounds like a religious setting. Let's listen in. If you are not prepared to come to that table mm-hmm. and to represent that voice, if don't come. you're not come. prepared. Not prepared. Because we don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice. We don't need black faces that don't want to be a black voice. We don't need Muslims that don't want to be a Muslim voice. We don't need queers that don't want to be a queer voice. And if you're worried about being marginalized and stereotyped, please don't even show up. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. And there you have it, folks. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, I'm a very open-minded person. There are some days where I'm like, I don't know if I'm, I belong on the right. But the more I look at the left, I belong on the right, if I have to pick a side. Well, and, and, and I think that the more, the, the more platforms that this, uh, this group of women, I, I hate to refer to them by their... As the squad. As the squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more platforms they're on, the more TV time, I think more and more people... Uh, I, I don't think they... Surely they would understand this, but I don't think they get it. I think they love the... And they, oh, yeah. They love being on there. They love the attention. When David Axelrod gets it. He was talking about how what Donald Trump wants to do is uh, have the Democrats hug the squad. And Donald Trump, yes, that's absolutely right. It's a res- Correct. It's a wrestling match. I mean... <laughs> it is. Flashback to the... <laughs> Trump in the ring days, you know? He knows how this game's played. Oh, he really does. Well, Frisco, I appreciate you joining the program this evening. We're out of time. It always flies by so yeah. fast. Yeah. We'll be back tomorrow, folks. Tune in. And check it out. Podcast. Apple Podcasts. Google. A- Apple Podcast, uh, Google. It's Joey Clark Radio Hour. Joey Clark Radio Hour. Subscribe. Give it a review. Give me five stars, baby.